Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. This past week, um, I, I want to share something with you that I was I was reading on, and I was trying to decide and really um, discern where where we were to go after we come out of this series that is all about our vision and mission as a church and what we're trying to accomplish. And and uh, there was something, a few things that you know God had kind of downloaded to me in the past, and a lot of times when He does that in quiet time or whatever, I'll make note of it in my phone, and so. Uh, I was asking the Lord what, is, what direction you want us to go, and there was something I read this week that is the direction I want to go. And so I feel like this is a uh, I feel like this is a right now message that this is something that the Lord gave me, and I felt like the time was right now that we needed this. And uh, it's it's pretty basic, honestly, but I've titled it uh, today. If you're taking notes, the title of this message is "The Product of a Christian Life." The product. Of a Christian life, and I was thinking about uh, it's been a little while since I've been in school, but uh, the product, if I remember right, is when you take two numbers and you multiply them together, and the product is the answer. And so it's almost this picture of this is what God has given you. This is this is what it looks like when you place your faith in Jesus, and here should be the product of what that looks like as it operates in your life. Does that make sense? And so we're going to talk about the product of a Christian life. And I want to read three verses, and we're going to talk uh, for the next 25, 30 minutes on three verses. Come on, somebody. But I believe there's so much in here that God wants to speak to us. And this is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and it's verses 1 through 3. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God of our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to talk about these three verses, but immediately when I read this in 1 Thessalonians, just the first chapter, the first three verses of this, I was immediate, immediately reminded of something else that Paul wrote uh, to another group of believers, and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so we're going to read a little more of this in just a moment, but I want to start in verse 13 because this is what Paul says. He's talked about spiritual gifts. He's talked about you know giving us this great definition of love, what love is and what love is not. And then at the very end of it, this is what he says. He says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And so Paul is writing to this church, and he says, in light of all of this, when all is said and done, when, you know, if, if this passes away and this passes away and this goes away, these three will remain, faith, hope, and love. And then I look over in 1 Thessalonians when he's writing to another group of believers and and he says he gives us this beautiful picture. I believe just this real brief picture of what it looks like for the things that he's talking about to be operating in your life. So I think that we get a picture in in 1 Corinthians he says these three remain will always remain it's faith, hope, 
and love. And then at the very beginning when he's introducing, you know, he's writing this letter and he's giving his greeting to this church, these Thessalonian believers. And as he's writing to them, he says, listen, this is what, this is what I see. This is what I recall. This is what I remember about you. And he shows us a picture of what it looks like for faith, hope, and love to be active in our lives. And so I think with consistency, Paul is showing us that faith and hope and love are three virtues that are a result of the gospel message. In other words, whenever you give your life to Jesus, whenever you become a Christian, whenever you begin to follow after Jesus, he says, listen, these three things will remain. And then he gives us a picture of how they operate in our lives, what it produces in our lives. And so that's where we're going to go today. And uh, when we receive Jesus and we become a believer, this should be a result of that. This is not the prerequisite to that. This is from that moment forward. This is a result of the decision that you have made. And so uh, I want to spend the next few minutes just giving you four things that I believe we can learn from just these three verses. And the first one is kind of a setup for the other three that we're going to talk about. So here's point number one if you're taking notes. It's that we are called out. We are called out. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, this is what we read. He introduces... You know, the people that are with him, and he says, hey, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Now, on the surface, we would read this verse, and if you're like me, most of the time you just read right on past what's being said, right? It's like, well, I need to get to like the next thing. You know, he's like, well, grace to you, peace to you, love you, thankful for you, you know, all of these things that that in a lot of his letters that Paul writes and he introduced it this way. But I don't want us to pass over this because we need to understand who he's writing to before we understand what he wrote, before we understand what he, he recalled. And so in all of his letters, as you read through the Bible, It's to people that are called out. And this word for church, because we read this and we think to the church. And this is a word, maybe you know this, it actually can be translated as ecclesia. And it means a called out group. It means that God has called you out. That he is writing to people who are called out. He says, I have set you apart. You are called out. You are the believers. I am writing to you. And so here's what you need to understand today is that when Paul is writing this and what we're about to talk about in the next three points, it was written for you as a believer, as a member of the capital C church, as people that are called out and set apart. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called out of the ordinary into the extraordinary You're called out for God's purpose. You're called out of the darkness into the light. You're called out to be different. You're called out to accomplish God's purpose on the earth. And so we have to first understand that we are called out. And the next three things that I want to share with you and talk with you about today are what I believe is a great description of what the life of people who are called out looks like. People that have already given their life to Jesus, people that are following Jesus, this is who Paul is writing to. Come on, you ever been sitting in church or something and somebody says something, the, the, the person that's speaking says something, and you're like, wow, I wish that so-and-so was here to hear that. Man, I know how they have been living their life, and they should have been at church today. I've been trying to get them to come to church for the last three years. They should have been here today. If they'd have been here today, they could have heard that. Listen, Paul says, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. 
I'm talking to the person, I'm talking to you, believer. I'm talking to you, person who says you're a Christian. I'm talking to you, person who's put your faith in Jesus. I'm talking to you, not the person that you wish would get their life in order, not the person that you wish would come to faith in Christ. No, I'm talking to you as a believer, as a Christian. And so these are three things that I want to share with you, and and so we'll jump in. Point number two, this is what I believe we need to understand, is that your faith should produce works. Your faith should produce works. Now, you have to get the order right. Because you are not saved by the things that you do. But when you get saved, it should produce things out of your life. There should be fruit that comes out of your life. There should be works that come out of your life because of the faith that you have. And this is the way that Paul said it when he was writing to them. He said, we recall or we remember in the presence of our God and Father, your what? Your work produced by faith. He's writing to this church and he says, this is what I remember. This is what I remember. I remember that your work was produced by faith. That the faith that you had, it caused you to do something. It caused you to be active. It caused you to do good works. The faith that you already have, right? We're saved by grace through faith alone. But when you place your faith in Jesus, you place your trust in Jesus, your faith then produces something in your life. And Paul says, this is what I remember about you as I'm writing to you. I remember the work that was produced by your faith. And it makes me think about in James chapter 2. And I want to start in verse 14 and we'll read about 12 verses and uh, we read a portion of this last weekend, but I want to take it a little bit farther today. This is what James writes. He says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I, will, and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. I love this because he basically says, like, you, you, believe, that, you believe there's a God. Well, that's good. Even the demons believe there's a God. <laughs> They've seen how powerful he is. They've seen how holy he is. They've seen how awesome he is. They, they believe that there's a God and they shudder. But he takes it farther than that. He says, senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works in offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works. And by works, faith was made complete And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body, look at this, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Faith in Jesus saves you. But faith without, the, without it producing works is a dead faith. And here's what Paul says to the church, these Thessalonian believers. He says, this is what I remember about you. I'm commending you on this. 
I am thankful. I pray for you. We pray for you. We are thankful. And here's what we remember. The first thing we remember is that your faith produced fruit. It produced works. It caused you to do something. The faith that you say you have, it caused you to do something. And we're not saved by those works, but our faith in Jesus should produce good works. It should produce good works. And so people should be able to know that we're Christians by the fruit in our lives. Do you believe that? That by the fruit that is produced in your life, people should be able to look on and see, wow, there is somebody that's following Jesus. It's operating in their life. They have placed their faith in Jesus, and because of their faith in Jesus, there is fruit that is coming out of their life. Here's point number three, and the second thing that Paul commends them on. He says, it's this, your love should motivate you to labor. Your love should motivate you to labor. We see the second part of verse number three. He's basically saying, here's another thing I recall. It's your labor motivated by love. Motivated by love. You ever, you ever been you know, to some kind of motivational speech? Somebody was, was doing a motivational speech, and what was the, they're, they're trying to motivate you to do something. Motivate you to do something. Here's what Paul says. I, here's what I remember about you. He says, I remember that your love for God, your love for others, it's what motivated you to labor. Like you didn't have to have somebody come and tell you your love for Christ and your love for each other, it was enough. Like it motivated you to labor. So it begs the question, what 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 is the word labor? Right? We think about labor. Come on, we think about a woman being in labor. That sounds like work. We think about people, you know, we 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 take a job and we're like, how's that job going? What's a lot of manual labor? It's a lot of manual labor. Like sometimes it's exhausting. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult, and I looked up the meaning of this word kind of in its original form, and it's this idea of laboring that may even cause weariness and fatigue. It's, it's a love for God and a love for people that motivates us to serve one another and labor in that love, even to the point sometimes to where we are giving of ourselves in such a way that it can be tiring sometimes, it can be exhausting even sometimes, but we are committed that our love is going to motivate us to to serve one another, that I'm not in this just for me, that I'm going to serve my brothers and sisters. I'm going to serve those around me. And it's motivated, Paul says, and I remember this about you, and here's what I remember about this, that you were there was a lot of labor going on, and it was motivated by love. That the love was so active in your life that you were serving in this way. And in 1 Corinthians 13, Many of us, we read this, you know, we, we read this at weddings, and maybe you have this, <laughs> sometimes you think, it's like you had this spoken at your wedding, or this scripture is read at your wedding, and then later on you're like, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that sounds kind of hard. And this is, what, this is what Paul wrote right before what we read earlier. He says this about love. He gives us a, an awesome definition of what love is and is not. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, 
and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And if you read the very first part of verse 8, love never fails. Love never ends. He gives us this definition of love. And this kind of love that God is calling us to, it sounds like labor. (laughs) It sounds like I'm going to have to activate something. Like something's going to have to be active in order for this to happen. If I'm going to have this real love operating out of me because I love God and I love people and it's going to be active in me, I don't, I don't see anything. Even when he's writing to this church, it, it's not an emotional or a feelings thing. It's not a, I remember when you served one another and there was labor that was motivated by, motivated by the love of how you just felt good all the time. You know, it was motivated by this love of they didn't get on your nerves, and so you just you were just so willing to do whatever for them. It was motivated by this love that, you know, your spouse hadn't said anything bad in the last three weeks, and so you're just, oh, just labor. Just motivating me to labor. It's not, it's not an emotional thing or a feeling. It's not about when you feel like it. He says, this is what I remember about you. You loved God and you loved people. And because of that love, it motivated you to labor. Like you were serving us. You were serving each other. You were serving the people around you. Even to the point of sometimes weariness and exhaustion. But I will serve you. I, because I love God, this is what I'm going to do. My love is motivating me to labor. And this is the type of love in action that would lead us to be encouraged by what Paul wrote to believers in Galatians in chapter 6 and verse 9. And many of us know this. He says, let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. And we read that verse and we think, wow, that's a great verse. Like, I need to put that on my mirror if I don't give up. Well, what, like, can I, can I ask you this? Is your love motivating you to labor to the point that sometimes you might feel like you, like you want to give up? Like Paul is encouraging people. And, and sometimes we can look at this and be like, well, you know, I don't really feel like I need to give up. Well, maybe we need to take a look and say, like, is my, is my faith active? Is my love for God and love for people active? And then Paul says, listen, you don't need to, like, don't get tired. Don't get weary in doing good. Don't get weary in letting these things be active in your life for you will reap at the proper time if you don't give up. If you keep pushing forward, if you keep pressing on, if you keep allowing your love to motivate you to labor and to serve. And so the love that we have received from God that is operating inside of us should motivate us to serve those in our lives. And then here's point number four. And the last thing, just in these in verse number three that Paul is commending and he's saying he's thankful for. He says, I remember this. And here's point number four. Your hope should inspire endurance. Your hope should inspire endurance. And I'll bring the worship team back. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, the third thing there, it says, here's what I remember. I remember these three things about you. And here's the third thing. Your endurance, I remember your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this picture that Paul gives us when he writes, you know, about believers whose hope in Jesus, that the grace and the mercy and the love that they've received from Jesus, the hope that they have found in him through salvation, the hope that they have found in him through what he did for them on the cross, this hope inspires them to keep going no matter what happens. It inspires them 
to keep moving forward. It inspires them that even in the face of whatever is coming against me, whatever the enemy is trying to throw at me, I am inspired to keep going. Like nothing can stop me. Nothing is going to hold me back from moving forward in Christ because my hope is in him. And so no matter what the enemy throws at me, my hope is not in me. My hope is not in everything being perfect. My hope is not in everything working out for my benefit all the time or that life needs to be easy. No, my hope is in what Jesus did for me and because my hope is in what Jesus did for me I am inspired to endure I am inspired to keep going in Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 it says therefore since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. How can we run with endurance? I believe that the writer tells us right after that, Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because he is the pioneer. He is the perfecter of our faith. And this is what he did for you. And because my hope is found in that, I can run with endurance. That nothing that the enemy throws at me is going to slow me down, is going to stop me, is going to cause me to give up. I'm not going to grow tired and and weary and well-doing. I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm going to keep allowing these things to be active in my life because of my faith in him, because of my love for him, because of my hope in him and what he did for me. It inspires me. I love this picture of being inspired. Have you ever, you ever known somebody, or maybe you've been that person? Don't, don't point at your neighbor or anything like that. But you ever been like you're in, you're trying to endure through something? Like I'm just enduring, but you're enduring with a bad attitude. <laughs> People ask you, Are you okay? Yeah, I'm just enduring. <laughs> like it's some spiritual thing, right? Like, are you sure you're all right? Yeah, just endurance, you know, just. I love the picture that says, like, I'm inspired to endure. Paul says, I remember this about you. You were enduring, but you weren't enduring with a bad attitude. You weren't enduring all of this stuff because somebody told you, you better endure. You were enduring because you were inspired by your hope in Jesus. And when your hope is in Jesus, the Bible says when God is for you, who can be against you. That no weapon that's formed against you will prosper. When your hope is in Jesus, you can endure through anything because he's with you. And when my, when, when my focus is my hope in him and not the situation, not what I'm trying to endure through, but I'm focused on like, I can, I can, I can get through this because God's with me. I'm going to keep going because God's with me and he's faithful. I'm going to keep going because I I can keep my eyes on him. And when I keep my eyes on him, then I can run with endurance. I'm going to keep going because my hope is in him, not what I can do. Like without him, I'm nothing. And so if I'm relying on my own strength, I can't make it. But I'm not relying on my own strength. 
I can endure through anything because my hope is not in what's around me. My hope is in Him. My hope is in Jesus. Will you stand to your feet today? It's this picture of how we as believers should not endure through difficulty and trials while grumbling, but that our incredible hope in Jesus should inspire us to keep going. It should inspire us to endure. It should inspire us to keep pressing forward, to keep running the race with endurance. I want to end today, and I'll pray for you, and we'll sing one final song, but I want to end today with a question, and here's the question. What is it that will make you stand out in this world? Because Paul is writing to this church, and he says, this is what I remember. This, This stood out. I remember that there was work that was motivated. There was work that was produced. There was love that caused you to do something. There was a hope so deep and so rooted in Jesus that it inspired you to keep running. It inspired you to keep pressing forward. And so I began asking this question in in this world and and all, everything that's going on around us and all the, the chaos that seems like sometimes and, and everything that we face and everything that the enemy tries to throw at you and throw at me and put in our way and discourage us is what is it that will make you stand out in this world? And maybe, maybe it's not necessarily how many Bible verses you can quote. While that's a good thing, you're studying God's word you're being in the word. Maybe maybe it's not necessarily how intense your emotions are, right? You ever just thought like, I can get through this. I can just be intense enough that I'll get through this. It, it, it may not be that your intensity is what causes you to stand out. What if, what if what causes you to stand out in this world is how you serve God and others with your faith, hope, and love? What if, what if when, when people come into contact with you or they encounter you, what if, it, what if it's like Paul said? And when they rub up against you, it's like, you know what I notice as I watch their life? Their faith that they say they have is producing good works they're like they talk about how much they love God and how much they love people and I have watched and that love it is motivating them it is motivating them to serve each other and to to be there for each other and to serve God and I've and I've noticed they keep talking about hope and this hope that they have in Jesus and what Jesus did for them and and this hope, it's like it inspires them to just keep going. Where I would be like, I don't, I don't know if I could have made it through that. Their hope in Jesus, it, it inspired, they just keep going like God is with them and he is for them and he's 
on their side and he's seeing them through and he's leading them through and he's walking them through and and it's almost like nothing could stop them what if what makes us stand out is our faith hope and love in action Jesus said they will know that you're my followers by how you love one another I think love is an action word and so I'm asking you today what would it look like in your life what would it look like in your life for you to have faith that produces good works? What would it look like for, your, to, for you to have love that motivates you to serve? Why are you doing that? I, I just love people. It just, it just motivates me to want to be there for somebody, to want to help somebody, to want to serve those around me. What would it look like in your life for you to have hope that inspires you to endure through anything that you face this is what Paul remembered and I believe that these are three things that aren't necessarily emotional or feeling driven but that God says because of your faith in me because of my grace and my mercy that's been poured out on you and forgiveness that you've received through me, oh, let it, let it produce things. Let it motivate things. Let it operate in your life. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes today? I want to pray for you and before I pray for you and before we sing, I just want to ask you to respond. So if you're here today and you say, man, I want, I, I need these things to become active in my life. I want my faith to be active. I want my love for God and love for others to be active. I want the hope that I have found in Jesus to be so rooted and so deep that, that no matter what the enemy throws at me, I, I just, I can't quit. I can endure through anything because I'm inspired by Jesus. I'm inspired by my hope in Him. And so if you would say, man, I, I need that. I need that in my life today. Will you pray for me? Will you just lift your hands right where you are? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, you see every person in this room, those watching online, every person that's responding, God, even those maybe right now that didn't lift their hand, but even in this moment, you're speaking to them. God, I pray that you would activate, that you would activate our faith, that you would activate our love, that you would activate the hope that we have in you, that it would produce things in our life, not, not so we can gain your approval, but that these things would be produced in our life because of our relationship with you, because of our faith in you because of how you've saved us, because of your grace and love and mercy, that these things would operate in our lives. God, show us 
show us what it looks like to have faith that produces works to have love that motivates us to serve and to labor and to have a hope in you that inspires us to endure activate these things in us Jesus it's in your name we pray